In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Welcome back to the Hero Series, presented by myself, David Gibbons, and Dr. Susan Anthony. Our guest today, Dr. Jude Caravan, PhD, is a cosmologist and previously the most senior businesswoman in Britain. She now works worldwide as a planetary healer, internationally acclaimed author and inspirational speaker. In a well-grounded, accessible and inspiring way, her global work reconciles leading-edge science, research into consciousness and spiritual wisdom aiming to empower others, raise awareness and facilitate practical and sustainable harmony and wholeness on personal and collective levels. In addition to her writing and healing work with people and places, she speaks regularly at international conferences, leads workshops and appears on television and radio. Dr. Jude Caravan's books include The Eighth Chakra, The Thirteen Steps and Cosmos, co-authored with Dr. Irvin Laszlo. Recently she was awarded the 2010 Circle Award by One Buddhism International and sponsored by the United Nations, cited for her outstanding contribution to planetary healing and expanding new forms of consciousness. And Dr. Susie Anthony, co-creator of the Hero series, quoted recently by Professor Mihor Ledwith, former senior papal advisor to John Paul II. Dr. Susie Anthony's award-winning personal spiritual development book, A Map to God, Awakening Spiritual Integrity, takes you on the shortest journey, out of the head and into the heart. It may well be the shortest journey, but is often the longest because of the multitude of self-inflicted barriers and obstacles we put in our way. This is what this powerful book and Susie's work addresses at the deepest level. How to get over ourselves. Susie Anthony is a peace activist and a great visionary. She went through a profound and potent personal transmutation as a result of a series of near-death experiences, from feeling stuck in bondage to a system whose values she had never chosen, but in which she blindly believed, to where she is today. Anyone who has worked 18 hours a day to try to keep up with the rat race will find this book and working with her personally to be literally a lifesaver. Susie walks her talk and she has truly experienced all she shares. She's the real deal, expertly yet simply written. My hope is that this visionary work will awaken the masses to really respond to the call of spirit, wholeness and healing, the true stuff of the hero's journey. I could not put it down personally. This incredible book will dramatically change your life and perceptions of reality. Read it if you dare. 
Welcome back to In Discussion and the Heroes series with Dr. Susan Anthony. It's a great pleasure for this third program with Dr. Jude Caravan to welcome you back, Jude, today. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's my pleasure, David. It's great to be with you and Susie. And it's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to addressing now the biggest life or death crisis on the hero's journey. Well, before we do that, Susie, just to give our listeners a very, very brief reminder of the last stages, would you just like to give us a very quick review? Yep, we have. We've Dr. Jude Caravan has taken us through an amazing journey from her ordinary world as a coal miner's daughter to becoming the most senior businesswoman in the UK, receiving then stage two, the call to the hero's journey, the challenge or the quest, which was to give up the comfort zone and then go through training and finding the mentor, not really refusing the quest as such, but waiting patiently for a year until it was the right time to leave her corporate arena, being mentored by a discarnate being, Foss, then crossing out of the ordinary world, leaving her world of high finance, moving to the special world, becoming a teacher and a mentor, finding out along the way through tests who her friends, allies and enemies would be, and also learning the rules of this special world. Then also being confronted with setbacks and having to let go of projects and dreams that were probably very close to her heart and then allowing new ideas and inspiration in, which takes us up to stage eight, the ordeal, the biggest life or death crisis. And that takes us as... Susie Anthony mentioned to our level eight, uh, stage eight, the ordeal. And just recapping the biggest life or death crisis. The world is in crisis, yet the special hero world rules apply here in that the crisis causes loss, but it's always opportunity disguised as loss. And we talk about a new life out of that divine chaos and destruction. We are in a chaotic, destructive times with earthquakes, fires, oil spills, hurricanes and tornadoes, floods, climate change, wars, terrorist attacks, and global economic collapse, just to name the ones that are making the headlines recently. Feelings of fear generated by increasing uncertainty of what might be next, our natural result. With all the intensifying increasing chaos, unpredictability and navigation through the unknown, it's easy to lose our centre and perspective, and to quote Susie Anthony, miss the initiatory choice points. Jude Caravan, do you agree with this, and can you describe some of your own initiatory choice points with reference to this stage of the journey? Well, thank you, David. I, I totally agree with Susie. I think it's very easy, you know, when we're in the midst of chaos, and whether that's inner chaos or apparently outer chaos, and of course... The hero's journey ultimately gets to a point where you realize they're the same thing, that is, what is within is without and vice versa. But, you know, um, there's certainly been many times in my life where in that chaos, in or outer, I've almost lost my way. I've faced many ordeals. 
and initiations um, from early childhood all through my life and you know they've been on physical mental and emotional levels in my journey and the greatest though I think have been on emotional levels with repeated cycles of loss and betrayal from early childhood onwards and as a healer I recognize that on personal and collective levels we play out these same archetypal patterns within us um, and for me the archetypal pattern is of betrayal and as I've gone through my life now as I recognize that it's still potentially there whenever I perceive that it is around me or within me in any way I can now move to a higher level of awareness and a higher level of, of unconditional love that actually dissipates and releases that potentiality but I suppose you've asked me, you know, some of my own initiatory choice points. I suppose one very, very key one was early in 1999 because the previous year my then husband had left me. Um, I'd lost my home. I'd lost my uh, livelihood. Everything was falling apart and I was unwilling to let go. I think the fear of what might come and the chaos around me meant that I was trying to hold on to things that were way past their, their sell-by date and weren't serving me. Uh, they were limiting me. But in my fear and in my confusion, I was just holding on, holding on, holding on. And in early 99, I went to one of my um, earliest journeys to Egypt um, that I was very much resonant with having been mentored by Soth since I was four years old. But it was one of my earliest actual physical visits to Egypt and that journey was amazing because it incorporated embodied so many points of initiation so many literal multi-dimensional experiences I at one point at a place called Abydos I walked into a 35 foot shaft of water and as I dropped like a stone down covered in water way above my head the next moment, I remember, I'd levitated and was sitting on the side of, of, the, uh, of the, the steps to the, to the, the temple. Um, amazing things. I had, um, you know, what metaphysicians call a kundalini rise. It was literally as I was on fire for three days. It was truly a journey where the old me was just burned away. And I came back from that journey able to go forward and it just burnt the fear away. It was so clear and so profound an initiation that I came out of that knowing that, you know, despite the loss of family and friends and partners and homes and finance, and even in the darkest of hours and however desperate the situation, it showed me what I suspect I've always known at a deeper level, but I needed to really get it that I'm always an we're always, all of us, looked after, and that ultimately all will be, but even more importantly, is well. Susie Anthony, Susie, uh, just before we move on, I would love to ask you, we have been talking prior to the program about the conditioning, relating it to, to my constant uh, belief that I was blessed as a child, and, and I think that Jude had just talked about that and touched on that, and then Jude says here that she was holding on, holding on, holding on. And this word betrayal is clearly a, a pivotal a word in her vocabulary. What is it for you, Susie, in this initiation 
that is chosen, whether it's Kundalini or anything else, that elevates the consciousness on this planet? On my journey, I've, I've come to know, and I prefer to say that instead of learn, because anyone can learn anything. But to coming to know something, like Ju just said, falling into water and she levitated out of it, she realized she has faith in spades. Most people don't have that. They think they have, but she's come to know. So I've come to know that most spiritual traditions use ritual initiation to stimulate the awakening of their students. And this is what I have chosen to do as well. And I've been taught through experience, and I've come to believe and know, that initiation really is the chosen method to elevate consciousness upon this planet. What is initiation? In effective initiation, the initiator connects with and embodies high spiritual energies and then channels these energies into the aspirant, the student, who aspires to divine wisdom. And if prepared to receive these energies, the aspirant will experience, at least for a short time, a state of enlightenment or illumination, probably much beyond their personal evolution at that point. So they haven't yet attained that state of enlightenment or illumination, but they get a glimpse of it through the initiation, the attunement. And this experience, i found, serves as a guiding light to inspire the contender to carry on with his or her spiritual work. More importantly, the experience initiates. It brings the spiritual forces, the power, the energies, the light, the love, to bear upon the consciousness of the aspirant. And these energies then speed up or accelerate his or her unfolding, just like a hothouse would speed up the growth of plants. And what I've also come to know is that initiations aren't always part of a formal sacred ritual aligned to some spiritual society or organization. More usually, initiations are the result of a higher, invisible, formless part of life, some kind of divine intelligence or energy teaching us about life, offering the opportunity to grow and become authentically powerful. And at first, speaking for myself, I know we don't always feel powerful enough to change or grow. In the beginning, I certainly didn't, and my guides had to cajole me carry me, tempt me, push me, shove me. But then at least I began to discover through my resistance in the beginning just how afraid and unhappy I truly was and trapped in a rut, in bondage. And that's a really good place to start. And then later as I became more conscious and aware of my own path of self-discovery, I was to learn that life is a constant series of initiations and a phrase that comes to mind is from that good old book the bible where the 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 phrase is many are called and few are chosen and i didn't really know what that meant 18 years ago 
Today, though, I realize that we're all called to reconnect to the hero inside, to spirit, when we experience some kind of awakening, initiation. But not all of us choose to respond to it. In fact, only a courageous few take action to change and actually become spiritual and walk the talk. And these heroes then discover that all the risks taken, the sacrifices made, lead to the reward. But in order for initiation to, to work, faith is needed. And it's essential to embrace the mysterious, the path of conscious mythical living. And Gandhi said, faith isn't something to grasp, it's a state to grow into. And he also said that faith must, faith must be enforced by reason. And when faith becomes blind, it dies. And Martin Luther King said, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. And that's what came to mind when Jude was talking about her initiatory experience at West Kennet Longbarrow near Avery and her walk in the darkness where she could only see one step at a time. This was life teaching her about life, that actually all you have to see is one step at a time. And the anonymous fellowships, cocaine anonymous, alcoholics anonymous, also have adopted this ancient wisdom, this sacred philosophy, when they say keep it in, or in the day or just one day at a time in terms of staying clean and sober. And that's a reward when you can keep it in the day. You're no longer disempowering yourself with future fear projections or with past regrets. You're fully in the present and that's where the reward is. You have rewards, David. Yes, and I, I think that, as you well know, Susie, the reward level is always has become very important to me in this journey. And we, we arrive here at the ninth level, and the hero has survived that death, overcome his or her fear, and now earns the reward. Jude Caravan, uh, Susie often waxes lyrical on the Chiron. Chiron is a comet with a unique and erratic orbit in the natal chart. Chiron is symbolized by the wounded healer. Jude, Susie insists here that we cannot transmit what we don't have, and Susie, we talked about this earlier, that it's only when we have faced and defeated our own personal demons and monsters of this ego shadow persona that we earn the reward of being able to heal and empower others by teaching them how to do this themselves. Would you agree with this, Jude? Oh, I would, David, and, and Susie. I mean, at every step, um, as I've managed to overcome my fear and learned and, and chosen to act from a basis of love in my life, the reward's been, oh, and continues to be an incredibly deepening understanding of the nature of the cosmos and reality itself. And I suppose we were talking earlier about our own sort of focus, and and that's been my lifelong quest to understand, you know, how the cosmos is as it is and why and our role in it. And so as I've taken responsibility for and, and healed the emotional wounds in myself, I've found progressively peace and reconciliation and a resolution within my life. I mean, my Chiron in my natal charts in Capricorn and Chiron takes about 50 years to go round the sun. So he spends about four years in, in each sign 
so as as Chiron for me in Capricorn, it's been my wounded healing or healer has been about um, how I can heal um, the operational, generational, organizational, institutional wounds that we have within our societies. Um, for me on a more personal level as well, it's been a father-mother wound within myself and also our ancestral wounding. And I found that through my life, all these threads, you know, the business thread of institutions, organizations, and my own personal early emotional wounding, but also the work I do now on a planetary and collective level, which is helping people uh, both personally and as collectively to understand our collective wounds and to heal our past. And so for me, all those aspects of Chiron in Capricorn have actually come to pass in the way that I've walked my own inner healing. So throughout my own journey, I've experienced literally at every level the ancient understanding of as above, so below, as within, so without. So it's enabled me to perceive you know, the deepest causes of trauma and also to serve and facilitate the healing of others. And I find it very interesting that Chiron has now been conjunct with Neptune between about early 2009 and 2012. And so the wounded healer is, in, is bringing his energies together with the great spiritual teacher and transformer of realities that is Neptune. So between them, they're highlighting the need to um, deal with humanitarian issues on a collective level. They're emphasizing the need for us to come together. They're helping us to understand the balance of me and we, and they're also helping us to value rather than to fear diversity. So all of these cosmic influences play out on personal levels, but I also find it absolutely fascinating. A lot of my work is helping to share how they influence us um, on a collective level. Susie, can I ask you here, where Jude talks about this collective level, this we and me, are we also talking about here in this stage of not only finding the feminine, in us, but also finding the masculine in us as well. Is that part of that collective that we're talking about? Well, the, the moving out of me thinking to we thinking is achieved through unity consciousness. And unity consciousness is marrying the mundane and the mystical, the masculine and the feminine, and birthing the new alchemical child. And this Chiron energy is really, really powerful. It's, it's forcing us all to, as the wounded healer, to face issues of low self-worth and, and feelings of inadequacy and, and to learn to rise above these. And this has definitely been my path. And as I heal this in myself, for myself personally, that then is creating a new morphogenetic field around the planet that, oh, look, someone's done this. Um, well, let's all do it. It becomes easier as you create a critical mass. But because my own childhood pain was so deep, I had to work incredibly hard to overcome the wounds around fear of poverty and lack, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, and their gift of not feeling good enough. 
and blaming myself, thinking I deserved to be rejected and abandoned. But Peter Gabriel, my dear friend, urged me to dig in the dirt, find where I'd been hurt, and so I was able to access, through my own healing, dynamically potent healing powers. That's the gift of, of Chiron. That was one of my rewards. My further reward was all the maps to God materials, a way of synthesizing all kinds of teachings, ancient wisdom, modern day psychological breakthrough teachings, Western business success principles, and show people how to reconnect to this hero inside in a language they could understand. These maps really do show us the how-to, how to integrate new higher aspects of self and how to let ourselves completely break down, to disintegrate all the old paradigm fear-based stuff that doesn't work so that we can reintegrate consciously mystical living and the hero self even or most especially when we return to the ordinary world and this is where the hero takes the road back in the next level level 10 and as Susie Anthony just said the hero must return to the ordinary world Jude Caravan Susie refers here to the special rules that the master Christ gave us of be in the world not of it in order to achieve and cope with the return to the ordinary world. What has been your experience of trying to integrate and live higher special world values in the material world that we have? I think it's a hugely important thing, this, because a few years ago, Dave, or maybe more than that, probably a couple of decades ago, um, I think people who were walking the spiritual path were still, in a way, trying to get away from the mundane world. You know, there's a lot of talk of ascension being floating off somewhere. <laughs> and <laughs> I can hear Susie yeah. laughing. in the background. With me. You know, but what my journey has been is to expand, and I know Susie's has, um, is to expand our awareness, um, but then to take all that we are, bring all that we are through our human journey which of course is what the great teachers showed us how to do. You know, the Master Christ said to his disciples, you shall do what I do and greater. Buddha gave the same understanding. It's very much about expanding our awareness to remember the oneness of all that is and all that we are, and then bring that oneness to allow that to flow through us. I mean. For me, when I was very young, and like Susie, you know, I, I was emotionally wounded, as a lot of kids are, very early on, although I had the most amazing mom, thank God. Um, but what I did is I escaped from the ordinary world. I didn't want anything to do with the ordinary world. And having had my first clairaudient experience at the age of four, and literally walking between worlds with thought from that time onwards, it was very easy for me to get out of the ordinary. And that was, that was an escape that took me huge lengths of time to heal, to resolve. 
So I've lived an extraordinary life so far, but still feel I've hardly begun. But So my challenge has always been to interweave my extraordinary experiences into my everyday life. And about nine years ago, as part of my PhD research, I was one morning in the Avery landscape, very beautiful morning, bright blue sky, not a cloud in it. And I just looked around me and I got a message, an inner message, so clearly from that blue sky, from spirit. And that message was, in the commonality of our humanity, we're all ordinary. In the commonality of our divinity, we're all extraordinary. And for me, that was an aha moment because I realized that I'd been trying to escape from, I really got it then, that I was been trying to escape from and devaluing my ordinary life. And from that moment on, I actively sought to rebalance the two and to perceive the extraordinary in the ordinary and the ordinary in the extraordinary. And as I've done so, I've experienced more and more everyday miracles. I could approach and perceive the extraordinary with a much more light-hearted and, and joyous respect. I mean, for example, we, um, we, we grow our own vegetables, we have a garden, so I do a lot of gardening, we keep bees, we keep chickens, there's a lot of chicken poo, so, you know, on one hand I can be attuning to the cosmos and then I have to go and clean out the chickens. That really is a great way of integrating <laughs> the extraordinary and the ordinary. And I really can appreciate how when we can integrate the two, then um, the mythical reality that Susie talks about and the wholeness of being of the world but not of it, I really know that now. I realize that every morning and every evening. Um, I just bless and thank, um, you know, what I'm experiencing. Susie, is this also about finding a sovereignty in ourselves at this stage? It's finding the hero within. But the hero within can only materialize when he's been mentored, trained, and learned the rules. And I have to say, the training and the rules are pretty well hidden. And even with the glut of spiritual teachers that there are, particularly where you're at in California, the, the real teachings are pretty well hidden. And there are lots of charlatans out there who sort of relate with you in a guru-based way. But to me, guru is just G, you are you. And gurus can have the danger of telling you what to think, rather like fundamental churchianity type religions, mm. rather than how to think for yourself. And the mentor to the hero in training will teach you rules and disciplines and give you practices and show you the work to do. And I just have to quote John Anthony West, who the other day said, everything in life is, is an initiation. He said it's kind of like, you know, the students on the initiatory team are rather like baseball players. If they don't show up and do the training and do the work, they shouldn't be allowed to play in the team. And he said you have to sort out the wheat from the chase. Hats off to you, Jude. I know you've done it. And from feeling your energy when you talk about accepting the loss 
the rejection, the abandonment, the betrayal, I can feel that you've done that. And just hearing you say that, feeling the truth in it, heals me. And that's extraordinary. And that's what happens to us when we learn how to marry the mystical and the mundane. We really can live the magic of an empowered life. And magic is just me and God in control. This uh, takes us very nicely into the next level. Uh, in Susie Anthony's journey, the resurrection hero, the 11th level. And this is another test where the hero faces death. He or she has to use everything that they've learned. Jude Caravan, can you tell us something about your experience of this level of the journey with particular reference to the spiritual laws of non-attachment to outcomes? And Susie is fond of saying that expectations keep us in victim consciousness, making us hostages to the third-dimensional level of reality. Uh, well, first of all, bless you, Susie, because when I hear your journey, and I know your journey, it resonates so much with me too, so thank you, and bless you too. <laughs> um, I can bless yeah, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going through it. <laughs> all right, so are we. Yes, if you're not dead, your mission isn't complete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness me. <laughs> We're all on it. We're all on it. Yeah. You know, it, what you said, there are a couple of things, really, I'd like to sort of you know, bring into to my response to David's question. I think you said something about, Joe Anthony was saying about showing up, and it's a word I use a lot because, you know, in many instances, I've... You know, just heard some inner guidance and I've listened to it, I've followed it without any idea why or where it's going to take me. But over the years, I've learned to trust that inner tuition and that inner guidance and literally to show up. And that is a really key, ongoing way shower for me, just to show up. And I think the other thing as well is we talk way back. Um, in our hero's journey about taking responsibility for our choices and we do disempowerment i think very well and we give our empowerment away to pretty much anybody who'll take it often and you mentioned gurus um susie and i completely agree with you i say it's time for us to guru up um you know it's time for us to listen to our own inner guru and to align ourselves with our own higher self guidance and, and wisdom. So I think that all of that plays to the answer of, of non-attachment because the more we align ourselves with spirit, the more we align ourselves through this hero's journey, through all of the, the, the dance and the lessons and the rules that you described and the learning, we align and attune ourselves to source, to the oneness of all that is. And that is really transcending the ego. That takes us beyond that ego attachment to outcomes. Because what we know by that point is that there is higher purpose. There is a deeper, more profound meaning that rather like the great ocean 
you know, below the surface of the waves is there and it has an amazing flow to it. So for me, it's very much progressively letting go of my ego, letting go of that attachment to what my little self would like to have and actually tuning um, to that higher self and source and allowing that guidance to, to flow through me. So, you know, life is an initiation. You know, I think John Anthony West got it absolutely right. And throughout my own life, and I know through your Susie, we've both faced many tests and many of which have been facing the death of, of our dreams. And But that's been amazing because what it's enabled to happen is that despite wanting certain outcomes to a project or aim and instead choosing to do what feels right rather than what's expedient even when it may mean the death of that aim has been a process of ongoing initiation and recognizing and I think this is really key for me was to realize the end never justifies the means but that rather energetically the means become the end that if I work with the highest intention in whatever aspect it may mean and then allow, you know, work with the highest intention and then allow that intention to flow through me with no attachment and just let it be and trust that that is the right thing and that all is well. So consciously aligning myself with higher purpose, allowing the divine will to flow through me rather than attempting to impose my personal will on events has been ongoing initiation. Yet, with all of that and all that learning, at the end of the 2006, at the end of the completion of the 13 journeys that became my book, The 13th Step, I actually still stepped into a void of nothingness or no-thingness that lasted nine months. And at first, it literally seemed like a living death. I felt I'd served my purpose, I'd attuned, I'd aligned, I'd showed up, I'd done all of it. But there was a feeling I'd served my purpose in life and there was no meaning left for me for con to continue. It was the most profound void of my life. And it took nine months to realize that just being is its own purpose. And then I began to integrate all that my journeys had taught me. And that was really, I think, and feel when the authentic non-attachment was embodied within me. And that nine months then became, you know, conception, the gestation, and literally the rebirthing of a new and transpersonal embodiment of self. And it's still a dance. It's still a dance. It's still a step forward, a step to the side, a twirl around, and keep on going. That takes me uh, to yourself, Susie. Could you expand on that non-attachment and that true giving rather than giving to get the reward at this stage? The act of giving relieves congestion, and it stimulates flow, which is what you talk to, and that increases resources. And that's why to tithe or to give is so crucially important. And whenever we give freely, it's returned to us tenfold. Yet paradoxically, I learned that we need also to practice measured giving and not to throw pearls before swine. And teachers and healers might be tempted to do that if they haven't worked through ego issues of healing to seek approval or rescuing to be loved. 
which is all codependent behavior. So it's a fine line to walk in mastery. There is so much training. There are so many rules to becoming and being the hero. Yet when we can live in the ordinary world and share the elixir, nothing compares to this. And that's what's helped me through being exposed to the deep suffering of others all through my life has helped me to ground in the belief that love and caring is the bottom line and that will counteract hatred and alienation that's so prevalent in our lives today and so many small acts of sharing are needed to turn this world into place into the place it's meant to be it's not just the big acts it's the small acts yet we have forgotten almost how to share and we all need to remember what authentic giving is really about and we we talked about this earlier Susie those acts of kindness uh, they're not necessarily the way that you would you would think uh, kindness can come in different forms it can come in tough love when you deliver a, a an inconvenient truth to someone hello your planet's on fire well that moves us on to the final level in Jude Caravan's heroic journey return with the Alexia and the hero returns from the journey with the Alexia and uses it to help everyone in the ordinary world Jude one of Susie's favorite heroes Dr. Albert Einstein and of mine said imagination is more important than knowledge and he went on to say that imagination is everything it is the preview of life's coming attractions Looking at the title of one of your books, A Co-Creator's Guide to the Whole World, uh, co-authored with Dr. Irvin Laszlo, it would seem that you agree with Einstein's words. I, I know Susie totally believes with the right disciplines and training we can all learn to co-create our own reality. And this, Susie Anthony feels, is part of the Alexia of Truth. She herself has returned to the ordinary world with to heal our wounded land and, and group psyche. What is the boon, the gift, the reward that you have brought back to share? Well, the 13 journeys that echoed the, literally the traditional journey, the mythic journey of the solar or solar, S-O-U-L-A-R, hero, with the thirties embodying a spiritual completion, became the foundation for my then being able to share the elixir of the understanding I'd gained. And I began, I mean, I'd, I'd never written before. And within four years, I wrote, well, within three years, actually, I wrote, I wrote four books. I wrote The Wave, The Eighth Chakra, The Thirteenth Step, about those journeys and cosmos that you just referred to with, with Irvin. And so, in a way, those books formed a first part of of a gift that I could share with others. And very much my focus was to empower others to empower themselves. And gradually my work extended beyond individual healing and and empowerment to encompass planetary collective healing and resolution. And all the threads. And my own journey, lifelong journey, as a scientist, a businesswoman, a mystic, a healer, interweave with that understanding I now share, which is reconciling science and spirit. It's the reemergence of ancient wisdom and our hidden heritage. It's a shift of consciousness to transform a potential breakdown into a, a breakthrough. And 
the wondrous possibilities of our cosmic destiny. So that's the gift that I continue to un unfold and serve for everyone. Um, I was recently honored by the United Nations and One Buddhism International with an award that cited my outstanding contribution to planetary healing and expanding new forms of consciousness. And I'm wholeheartedly appreciative of this award, but I really feel my work's hardly begun. There's so much more to do in service to the greater good, not only of humanity, but of our beloved Earth and, and all her children. And my own hero's journey, which is one I share to empower others to empower themselves, has been from fear to love, as Susie says, from loneliness to all oneness and ultimately to, to, to aloneness and ultimately to all oneness. So it's a journey where each of us treads a unique path, but one whose destination I feel we all share. So we keep on and you know, my boon, my gift, the elixir that spirit has privileged me to have is one that I now want to serve others of the greater good with. As we arrive at this level, the, the final level, I think that we're always constantly tested, are we not? And I wonder whether at this level with Jude, in writing these books, in authoring these books, is this still just another step in overcoming that long-term wounding? Is that all part of the story? Well, for sure it's cathartic, but it's also getting the word out there and creating a new consciousness, showing people how to dream a different web, a different dream of reality. And for me, this is really important now. There's overwhelming evidence from a multitude of sources teachers, avatars, sages, prophets, visionaries, scientists even agree that there's something very big happening right now. And many people are suggesting that we're moving from third dimensional time to fourth dimensional time and then beyond into a fifth dimensional experience. And time is no longer simply being experienced in linear fashion. What I learned working with the shamans about seven or eight years ago in, in North America is that multiple timelines are beginning to appear based on the power of our choices, on our words, thoughts, deeds, and actions, our imagination, in fact. And back to Neptune, because Neptune rules imagination. Yeah. Dreams or nightmares, what will you create? So these timelines began to split, coincidentally, around about 92 when I had my first near-death experience. And many of us are experiencing this split, a sense of a widening gulf between our personal reality and global mass consciousness or consensual reality. There's a kind of sense of disorientation in regard to world events, a feeling, of, as Jude said, of walking between the worlds, and mass symptoms, too, of enlightenment stress. Read my book and find out what that is. So many of us are engaged not so much in resisting or attempting to make sense of an old paradigm in its final dance of death, but we're imagining, envisioning, envisioning the new world rising from the ashes of the old. And in these times of great shift, we need to remember where we focus our attention, energy is magnified. 
So we need to be sure to focus on what we want rather than what we don't want, to focus on solutions to challenges rather than challenges. We need to put all our energy, thought, feeling, emotions, words, actions into what we choose. And so many teachers are focusing on gloom and doom. So as we travel deeper into fourth dimensional reality, time and consciousness, as we raise the kundalini, our life force energy, the serpent energy, the same events will be experienced very differently in different timelines or perceptions of consciousness. There could be infinite timelines, but I, I, I'd like to believe there's three that we can choose from. And the third dimensional timeline continues to be fueled by duality, grinding its way into fulfillment of karmic laws to environmental catastrophe, political insanity, and social chaos. Who chooses that? Not me. So there, the density of this earth will be too heavy to withstand the high vibrational incoming energies and all the major gloom and doom prophecies will have relevance to this timeline and this timeline only where we're in victim consciousness and we remain hostages to the third dimension the fourth dimensional timeline though will emerge through collective visions of those whose souls have called them to build a new world which is governed by the laws of grace and its vibrational frequency will be such that pro-evolutionary energies currently pouring through the Earth's auric fields as the electromagnetic fields around us dissipate. These energies pour in and they'll lift us. And those who choose to move with Mother Earth into a quantum leap of awakened consciousness will do it. And as dimensional veils thin further, We'll all experience a reunion with the guides, teachers, and helpers, spirits from the special world, the invisible world. They were only invisible because we didn't have the frequency to see them. And there could still be, in fourth dimensional timeline experience, earth changes and chaos, but not nearly as intense. And any negativity will be transmuted quickly because the hero will have learned how to do that. And here, the prophecies of heaven on earth have relevance to this timeline. And also a fifth dimensional timeline is being created, governed by the laws of mastery. And this is why the Maps to God material teaches through the path of initiation. This timeline is about incoming evolutionary energies to activate full soul and spiritual reunion, total authentic reconnection to the hero inside. Is this uh, also, could you use the word ascension here? Yeah, the prophecies of planetary ascension have relevance to this timeline. And as Jude said, it isn't about ascending out of our bodies. It's it's descension, really. It's bringing spirit into Mm. matter and purifying matter so that it can hold spirit, so it can hold these higher vibrations. And the yeah. symptoms of, of ascension sickness or enlightenment stress are when people resist and don't purify and the physical body begins to break down because it can't withstand the onslaught of these higher energies. I think as we continue these programs, Susie, as they expand and become more profound, 
There is a question I'd like to ask both of you. For our listeners, we talk about this concept of being alone at a certain stage, um, and we can we might say, uh, and, and perhaps I'll start with you, Susie, and, and complete the program with, with Jude, is maybe we're alone, but we're not lonely. Can we assure people that, that in this journey that that is definitely the case and that's how they should look at this? Yes, Good Friday, 1992. I convulsed after a 72-day cocaine binge. I was too proud to reach out and ask anybody to help me, any human. No human could possibly have reached me. But as I left my body uh, in full death throes, convulsing, I looked down and saw myself and realized that I wasn't in my body. A blue light enveloped me called Michael, Archangel Michael. This light has never left me and neither has he. Even when I've made the most ridiculous mistakes, this love this light has saved my life over and over and over and taught me how to save lives and let's remember he who saves one life it's as if he has saved the world entire and Jude Caravan um, maybe I could appoint this question to you as we close here and perhaps I'm sure Susie would agree with me. We'd love to ask you how you have taken this journey with us over these three programs and what are the the most profound points that come to your mind now looking back? Perhaps the most profound sense I have is that we are all on the same journey, that however different our specific experiences are, is that ultimately it is a journey of, as I mentioned, of loneliness to aloneness and then to all oneness. And Susie's amazing experience of that point of being alone and then discovering that she was never alone. And that is my experience too. In loneliness, we are fearful. There's something missing. There's always something missing. We're lonely. The other is missing. And for much of our human journey, we spend our time trying to look outside of ourselves to fill that void. The journey for me from loneliness to aloneness is actually moving that emphasis inside. And so instead of trying to understand and fill the void from an outer reality, we actually learn that we can only fulfill it from, A, from love, and on an inner level. And a point is reached, we all do it, all of us at some point, when in whatever way we realize in that moment of aloneness that we're actually never alone. And I love that as we've explored this hero's journey, the three of us, I hope that our listeners have found a resonance in their own hero's journey because we're all heroes. Exactly. You know, we're all solar heroes. Yep. S-O-L-A-R is the myth tellers. S-O-U-L-A-R, solar heroes. We are literally remembering who we really are. And ultimately, that's the destination of all. 
heroes. And with that, it completes this third of our programs with you, Dr. Jude Caravan. It has been an incredible privilege, and Susie Anthony, thank you. We wish you uh, so well, uh, Dr. Jude Caravan, in the future, and uh, thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you, David, and thank you, Susie. Bless you both. Thank you, David. Bless you. you Bless you both. It's it's been an incredible mini-series, Dr. Jude Caravan, and thank you. And to our listeners today, I do hope that you have enjoyed this program. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Dot com.